We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, TV, To find out about the programming we have available for you, 724-365 on the Exxon TV channel, visit www.simultv.com. And uh, for the Exxon Broadcast Network, Visit www.xzbn.net. You know, I've been doing this show now for 30 years. And I've seen people come and go, not only broadcasters, but many people within the paranormal parapsychology world. I've talked to some that I think are out to lunch. I talked to some that I think they would have problems remembering their name if it wasn't written on them somewhere. And then I got to thinking the other day, I was talking to my wife. There's been a shift within the paranormal community. It's gotten much more sensationalistic. You know, you can see it on the TV, uh, so-called reality shows that are anything but reality where there's a lot of demonic, there's, there's yelling and cursing at the spirits. There's a lot of disrespect when it comes to some factions of the paranormal investigative world. But then there are people like my guest this hour, Richard Sinnett, who is hardworking, dedicated, professional, methodical, and he is one of the very first true ghost hunters, paranormal investigators, going back over 30 years. Richard, uh, I've had the pleasure of meeting Richard and his wife. I've had the pleasure of talking to Richard many times here on the Exxon. And as you'll see over the next hour, Richard is down to earth, very respectful, and one heck of a guy and a person that I'm Proud to call my friend. Richard, welcome back to the show. Oh, glad to be here. Richard, you know, I was like I was saying, 30 years I've been doing this show. I've seen people come and go. And you are one of the down-to-earth investigators that many try to mimic. And, you know, what is that saying that um, mimicry is, is some sort of compliment? I guess so. Yeah, but how do you see it, Richard? Uh, what kind of changes have you seen in the world? Well, I of, agree with yeah. you 100%. They've gotten far more sensationalistic. 
especially the TV shows. Yeah. Now everything's demons, everything's evil. And yes, I believe evil is out there, but it's so rare. Yeah. It, I was doing this stuff for nine years before I came across anything that could be described as evil. So it exists, but it's very rare. Yet you turn on the TV and every ghost show, it's all demons or evils or serial killers or who knows what. That's yeah. all I think in a, a, a bit for ratings. They want to try to get the most ratings. So they try to scare people. And I have not uh, been in favor of that from the get-go. That's not the way you investigate things. You have to, you know, we're looking at a, at a mystery. And if you want to instill fear, that, that just kind of ties your hands to trying to find the truth. Uh, you know, something that a lot of other people in the media do not hone in on is that an investigator like you is also a historian. Mm-hmm. You go deep to investigate the history where the paranormal activity is is happening and very much you know so but for the listeners who may not have had the pleasure of hearing you before richard can you tell us how you got started in ghost hunting well first i'm very interested in history in fact that's what i have my degree in Mm. is history and when the historic record kind of ran out because you know history ends at some point before the development of writing, I turned to archaeology, which extended the quest beyond the written record. And it was while I was doing an archaeological dig at an old California mission uh, back in the summer of 1978, I actually saw a monk in the courtyard of the old mission. And I walked up to the monk because I thought it was a real father, because it's still a monastery. Mm -hmm. So why wouldn't there be monks in a monastery, right? Yeah, exactly. And when I got uh, about 10 feet away from it, it just vanished abruptly. It was just not there. Yet I had observed it for a long period of time, and I knew I had hallucinated it. I wasn't drinking or smoking or doing anything like that. I didn't really believe in ghosts that much up until that moment. And I learned that some of the uh, the, uh, brothers had seen such a ghost themselves over the years. So um, that's what started me out on this quest to find out what I had seen. And you'll find that most of the good ghost hunters out there all started that way. They they were going along in one path, Mm -hmm. then they had something happen that was unexpected. Unimagined, and then it twisted their whole life around, as it did with me. And um, I have been on that quest to answer the questions of what ghosts are and why they walk the earth since that moment. Well, based on your experience, what is a ghost? What is what is, what is, is your belief of what a ghost is? Well, see, that's a big riddle. We yeah. don't know. It is a phenomenon. It is something that is seen, mm-hmm. smelled, experienced, uh, heard, yet there's nothing there to account for it. It is the greatest mystery we have in our era. What are these bizarre 
uh, sightings, these bizarre encounters that people have have seen for countless centuries. When I first got back from that dig, I immediately started to go through the historic record and found ghosts dominate much of the records we have. We find them in Egypt and Babylon. You know the weird thing? What's that? The encounters with ghosts, like the Epic of Gilgamesh, which is 5,000 years old, are very similar to the encounters of ghosts we have today. Like that sudden chill, that cold uh, that people uh, tell about just before they see a ghost. Well, that's mentioned in the Epic of Gilgamesh, written in Sumer, so many thousands of years ago. So it, the accounts go back to the very dawn of history, and they continue on every since throughout the Middle Ages, and not only in Western civilization, but found, they're found in the records of India and China, in the records of Native American people. They're found in every culture, every land, everywhere there are people, there are ghosts. So it is a universal phenomenon to all mankind. Are there ghost animals as well, Richard? Yes, very much. In fact, most of them are linked to animals that have a bond with human beings, hmm. such as, well, most recently, dogs and cats. The ghost stories about dogs are common. Really? And then they also have stories of um, uh, horses. Again, hmm. another animal that's in close, uh, closely linked to human beings. But I've heard of ghost sheep, ghost cattle, mostly as domestic animals that are encountered as opposed to wild animals. All right, Richard, stand by. You and I have to take our first break. Always great talking to you, my friend, and please give my best to your wife. All right, Richard's uh, website is richardsenate.com. And Richard grew up in Ventura. He holds a bachelor's degree in uh, history from Long Beach State University. He's been a ghost investigator since 1978 and author of 22 books. And you can see his author's page on amazon.com. He's a busy guy, and he still gives tours, lectures, and investigates haunted locations on Facebook. He's Richard Sennett, Ghost Hunter, and once again, his website is www. Are right, you ready? Are you sure? RichardSennett.com. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue this interesting hour with one of the original ghost investigators, paranormal researchers. He was there when this all started. He knows what he's talking about. And if you're a beginner or if you want to learn how to be a credible paranormal investigator, this is one of the many people that you can learn from. www.richardsenate.com I'm Rob McConnell. I'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying... Thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. 
Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. Boy. Welcome back, everyone. Richard Sennett is my very special guest this hour. I've had the pleasure of, of having Richard on the show many times, meeting him in person. And um, like I said, he is one of the original paranormal investigators that was at the beginning of this new age of paranormal investigations. One thing about Richard, he's honest, he's methodical, yeah. he's professional, and he treats the investigation the property, as well as the spirits or ghosts with respect. And I take my hat off to you, Richard. You're a good man. Well, I think we need to do that. I mean, it's wrong mm -hmm. to use ghost baiting, to yell at ghosts. Or what I even dislike is so many uh, new ghost hunters go out and vandalize and their hopes to get ghosts to appear for them. They break windows, invade oh, uh, abandoned places that cause all kinds of problems. I tell my students, never vandalize. Make the place uh, as if you're a ghost. You leave no evidence yeah. or trace that you were even there. But unfortunately, many people looking for a cheap thrill will actually go out and cause harm, which uh, affects all, of, all ghost hunters. Everyone you know, goes in such a way mm -hmm. that such places that used to be open to us are now closed because of the uh, bad things that some uh, students have done to a uh, haunted location. They just won't let people go there anymore. Or if they do, they want you to pay a huge deposit. Uh, you can't come and investigate unless you are willing to fork over a few hundred dollars. So I think that's been a great disservice to the study. It certainly has been. You know, down here in Niagara, there are, you know, Niagara, Niagara on the Lake, the little community is known as Canada's most haunted uh, mm -hmm. town. And uh, of course, then you've got all the myths and legends surrounding Niagara Falls itself. And here in the part of on Niagara where I am, it's near the old fort in Fort Erie. And I've often heard stories of, of people seeing horse-drawn carriages with, you know, spectrals. And I can understand, or I, I can I can believe that a horse can be a ghost because it was a living animal. I can understand people being ghosts, but how would a carriage, for example, materialize to be seen when it was never living? Well, uh, you bring up a very good point. As a matter of fact, think of also ghost ships yes. that people see at yeah. sea. Now, a ship isn't alive. Nope. Or some sailors may have a different opinion. Mm -hmm. But the ghost ships are not alive. And people have seen ghost buildings. Really? Now, I have a feeling. Ghost trains. That, that it has to do 
with uh, a different sort of phenomenon that's a link to ghosts, and that are warps in the fabric of time. Mm-hmm. So when you see a carriage or people in a vision, what you're seeing is simply a glance back to a time two, three hundred years ago when such a thing actually was there. All so right. A lot of our ghost sightings could very well be holes in the fabric of time as opposed to spirits or anything like that. Taking that example that you just gave, that could also explain Bigfoot sightings as well as UFO sightings. Very much. I yeah. mean, if we can see back to the 16th century, we can see ahead. why not uh, look forward to the 25th? And maybe right. when you look up and see a UFO, all you're seeing is George Jetson going to work <laughs> in his flying car. And, but we don't know what it is. It's just a UFO. It's sure. something strange to us. And Bigfoot, which we do know an animal like Bigfoot, called Giganticus, once walked the Earth 30,000 years ago. It could be that um, we're looking through holes in time mm-hmm. where that image when that animal was alive, um, actually we're seeing it through this hole in the fabric of time. Now, that's one theory to explain ghosts. Now, it doesn't explain all ghosts. Now, so many accounts I've gotten are people recognized as the dead who come back with a message like, I'm okay, everything's fine, stuff like that. Well, there's lots of these accounts. So that doesn't uh, mean that all ghosts are linked to time warps, Mm -hmm. but they might. Now, there's a new theory I've heard about, which you may have also heard about if you know anything about the paranormal, called the Mandala Effect. Yes. Have you heard of it? I sure have. Uh, It's a belief that there are different dimensions, and that these dimensions are multiple, thousands, millions maybe. Mm -hmm. And... These dimensions are very close to our own. And in one, Nelson Mandela died in prison, yet in our dimension, he went on to become the successful president of South Africa. Right. So, um, and there are other variations like that. It could be that ghosts are bleed-throughs from these other parallel dimensions, and that might account for ghost sightings of people who are still alive, or people who have seen ghosts of themselves. So you go downstairs and see yourself reading the newspaper. That only means that you're looking at another dimension where you were reading a newspaper. And then, of course, because it's a hole in time or dimensions, mm-hmm. it closes up and the image vanishes away. So that, that might also account for Bigfoot right. and uh, UFOs and a variety of other phenomena. So that would explain uh, doppelgangers as well. Mm-hmm. Very much. Mm. And, but we don't know. But I've always maintained that when we get to the root cause of ghosts of haunted houses, right. it's going to be at the very fabric, the basis of reality itself. And I think this might account for, if not all ghost sightings, at least some of them. In your opinion, what is the state of ghost hunting today, Richard? Oh, I think it's in a sad state. It's both good and bad. Good, the TV shows and such have uh, gotten more and more people to accept ghosts. Right. 
In fact, uh, long ago when I started doing this, only 10% of the population believed in ghosts, in the United States anyway. Mm -hmm. And then that number went up slightly. Now it's almost at 40% believe in the possibility of ghosts, which it means it's closer to what it was or is in Great Britain or or in Europe. so I think it's helped in that regard. It's more accepted. I, when I started, got all kinds of letters from so-called Christians denouncing me as an agent of Satan and stuff like that. Um, and I always tell them, I always thought Satan paid better than this. <laughs> but uh, uh, the uh, today, so that's been a positive, right. the acceptance of it. But there's also been a negative. And the negative is the groups doing the investigation are becoming very territorial, uh, mean-spirited, mm. uh, vicious. Uh, they cut down their, the other people. Uh, they don't share their data. Everyone wants to have their own TV show. Everyone wants to make a fortune hunting ghosts and being doing the fun stuff. I can tell you this, all the successful ghost hunters I know, most of them have been uh, doing it just part-time. That's right. Have a real job. Exactly. Not trying to make a living out of doing ghosts. I know if I tried to make a living on ghosts, I would quickly starve to death. It's Yeah, I write a few books, I make a little money on that, but it's a small amount. I make a few lectures every year, but it's not a great deal. It just kind of pays the bills. Um, but uh, that quest for money, I think, has driven people to start faking things yep. and uh, started to, well, as you know, if you've gone on ghost hunts, a lot of times nothing happens. Exactly. But if you've got a camera there, they want to get some fireworks that they can put on and put it at the spot before the last commercial break. Um, they want to have something happen. So who is to say that someone doesn't toss something or kick a wall or do almost anything? It, they, they certainly are not the most credible uh, people in the industry. Let's, let me just put it that way. You're right. Well, I, I always tell students that uh, ghost shows are a lot like cop shows. Mm-hmm. You know, they're scripted. Yep. And in real police work, you don't solve the case in one hour. Oh, God, no. You know, and dogged work. Yeah, and I, I, I know for a fact when I was on the police force that there were many times in solving a crime that entailed days and days and days of surveillance where nothing happened. Mm-hmm. It's just right. like ghost work. And that's how it is with ghosts, yep. too. Days and days, years sometimes. I've actually investigated places for well over wow. a year. But you can't do a TV show like that. I once told a producer, if I debate a real ghost show, it would be the most boring thing on earth. <laughs> hey, Richard, stand by, my friend. We've got to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. And uh, Richard, uh, Senate, and I will return on the other side of this Newsbreak explanation. For more information about Richard Senate, visit his website, richardsenate.com. And Richard and I will be back as we talk about ghost hunting this hour here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. I'm Rob McConnell. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, exxonradiotv. And Richard and I... 
return to talk about ghosts and things that bump in the night. Don't go away. Welcome back, Explanation. I'd also like to invite each and every one of you. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2.00. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Combo meal. Single item at regular price. Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Go to check out the programming we have available for you on the Exxon Broadcast Network. Uh, 724-365, totally free of charge. We don't charge for any of our shows that are on the Exxon Broadcast Network, and they include... Know the Name with Sherlyn Wyeth. Uh, let me see here. Mi- uh, Miracles, Oracles with uh, Cooch Daniels. Connecting with Coincidence with Dr. Bernie Beitman. Mission Evolution with Gwilda Wiecka. Imagine More Success with Cindy Hendricks and Thomas Hydes. Uh, a Different Perspective with Kevin Randall. Cal's Corner with Cal Korf. And, of course, the Exxon Radio and TV show, as well as other specials that we put on on a daily basis. That's at www.xzbn.net. Richard Sennett is my guest, and we're talking about ghost haunting and uh, the paranormal this hour. If you'd like to get more information about Richard, visit his very informative website at www.richardsennett.com. Richard, in all your years of investigating, where in your opinion, is the most haunted place that you have been? Oh, there have been quite a number of them. In fact, if I was to list the most haunted house in the world, Mm -hmm. it'd have to be the Tower of London in Great Britain. And, of course, uh, in the Americas, down in Jamaica, where they've just suffered a terrible earthquake. That's right, yeah. Uh, near Montego Bay is Rose Hall, mm-hmm. a huge 18th-century mansion haunted by uh, Anne Palmer, the ghost there. I would say that's really the most haunted. But here in the United States, one of the places I'd love to investigate, which I'll never be able to do, is the White House in Washington, D.C., all kinds of stories talk about ghosts in that place. And then, of course, the ghost capital of uh, the United States has got to be New Orleans. There are more ghosts there than there are 
wrought iron uh, balconies in the French Quarter. Why, why, do you think there, why do you think there are so many ghosts in, in New Orleans? Oh, well, that makes a lot of sense. Really? In fact, why are there ghosts anywhere? It's because of different cultures. Okay. Where you have a place where different cultures come in contact with one another, one oppressing the other. Mm-hmm. You know, first Native Americans, and then French, and then Spanish, and then Americans, and African, and uh, all of these groups have left behind what I call psychic scars. And these psychic scars come out as ghosts or as holes in the fabric of time or whatever they are. The Lalaurie house in the French Quarter was where an insane woman got her jollies by torturing black slaves oh, to death. Uh, she was mentally ill, mm-hmm. and it was so awful that in the 1830s, the slaves she held in her attic actually set fire to their own cells. Uh, believing that even if they burned to death, they would be better off than living or being horribly mutilated by this awful woman. And, of course, the fire department put the fire out, and when they saw what she had done, she was driven out of town by people who, uh, even though slavery existed, Mm -hmm. this was beyond the pale. This is not right. But the ghosts there have been seen and experienced countless times. So all kinds of good stuff for New Orleans, if you like ghost hunting, that is. But uh, here in California, the most haunted thing around is the Queen Mary, the old ship down in Long Beach. Can you share with um, us some? Yeah. hmm? No, I was going to ask you to share some of your experiences there. Oh, I have done some of the best seances there. Uh, and I worked with Peter James, the psychic, yes, there yeah. on several occasions. Wonderful man, by yep. the way, the salt of the earth. We were there. We actually heard a laugh. We also heard a a large door uh, close. But when we checked, it was rusted shut. It couldn't have closed. It was physically impossible. But we saw mm. and heard it. And it was uh, it is quite remarkable. I've heard footsteps there. And once in one of the rooms on M deck, which is the most haunted deck, uh, my wife and I saw a figure of a woman materialize in front of the mirror. And my wife woke me up and said, do you see her? And I go, what, what, what? <laughs> it's the middle of the night, right? Yeah, exactly. I said, do you see the woman? And it looked like she was wearing a slip, but she was wearing a... Um, uh, a ball ballroom dress from the 1930s. Hmm. And my wife talked to her. And um, it was really quite amazing. And she told her story that she had met a man on the Queen Mary. They were going to be married, but then he had died at Dunkirk in the war before they could be wed. And she had killed herself uh, by sticking her head in the oven. Uh, gassed herself, and now she's haunting the Queen Mary because it was the time where she met her one love, and she was hoping to meet him again. And um, my wife spoke to her, and then she just vanished away. It was quite amazing. I've had lots of reports of things like that Mm -hmm. on that old ship. Why why is the Queen Mary so haunted? Well, I think any old ship that has that age 
about it is haunted. But lots of people passed away on the boat, had traumatic events happen there. All sorts of memories are circulating. And these memories are not uh, dissipated. They're absorbed by the environment. And I think they play back in some way. And that's why we you know, keep encountering stuff right there. But any place where you've got drama going on, like a theater, for instance, you're going to have ghosts. And out here in Hollywood, every one of the major Hollywood studios, everyone is haunted by at least one ghost. Some have many times more. Have you done investigations in, in the studios uh, in Hollywood? Oh, yeah. what, have you, what have you found, Rich? In fact, uh, my family came to California in 1921 to make movies. Really? And then um, they went to Hollywood, mm -hmm. and um, all of my family had been involved in the movie business, not in front of the cameras, but behind them. They built sets. They built, in fact, my grandfather actually built some of the sound stages at the uh, MGM lot, which is now Sony Pictures. So five of my family were involved with the Wizard of Oz movie. Including oh my, my dad, who was a, a painter and painted the Munchkin Village. Um, so it's, um, we have so, uh, stories of Hollywood and the mm. studios where stuff we talked around about around the dinner table. And that's where I got my first ghost stories of uh, people encountering, uh, like at the uh, Universal lot, the ghost of Long Cheney. And people had encountered a ghostly woman and all sorts of different stuff. They all have different stories of ghosts in them, but they don't like to talk about them. What? Because, mm -hmm. how, well, why do they not want to talk about them? Yeah. Actors are notoriously superstitious. And if they hear there's a ghost on a soundstage, they don't want to work there. Wow. And the studios are. They want to make money. That's what they're all about, oh, making sure. money. Yeah. And so they don't care about ghosts. They don't care about anything. They don't care about uh, a particular actor's hang-up. They just want to make the movie and make money. And so they like to step on the ghost stories as much as they can. But some are so hmm. well-known that you can't do that anymore. So in your, in your opinion, would Lon Chaney be the most famous ghost of Hollywood? Oh, no. The most famous of all time has to be Rudolph Valentino. Wow. Who, who died at the age of 31. He was the heartthrob of the nation. One of the first superstars of cinema back when they were silent. Hmm. And his ghost is seen all over Hollywood, including uh, the old uh, um, Paramount Studios, where his, he made films long ago. So... Um, it's um, something that that um, his ghost has been seen over and over again near the place where he's entombed, the restaurants he went to, which are still in business, his former home, his former uh, haunts, they all have encountered the ghost of Valentino. Fascinating stories from Richard Sennett, who is our guest of this hour, Exonation. If you'd like more information about Richard, visit his website at www.richardsennett.com. How many books have you written up to date, uh, Richard? 22? Uh, 22, yeah. And actually, I've written a whole lot more. I've written about 75. Wow. But I only count the ones that get published. 
Understandable. Yeah. Now, some of the ones I've written really aren't very good. I'm kind of glad that they didn't get published. <laughs> so, uh, but I write in all genres. I write ghost books, of course, mm-hmm. are my most favorite. But I also write murder mysteries. And I even wrote a biography of the murder mystery writer Earl Stanley Gardner, whom I met many years ago. So I've, I've done a lot of different types of uh, writing. I've even written a couple of plays. I've had the good fortune of having them put on. So it's, um, I enjoy writing. It's like therapy for me. All right, Richard, stand by, my friend. You and I must take our final break for this hour. And once again, Exxon Nation, if you'd like to find out more about Richard, visit www.richardsenate.com, and his books are available on Amazon. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell, and we'll be back wrapping up this hour from our broadcast station, Center, corporate offices, studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada on the other. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2.00. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Their side of this break. Richard Senate is my guest, uh, www.richardsenate.com. First of all, Rich, thanks so much for coming on the show. Always a great pleasure talking to you. Uh, what is the oldest ghost that has been seen in modern times? Well, oddly enough, there have been a number of ghost sightings in Europe, especially in Rome, where people have encountered what appears to be ancient Romans as hmm. ghosts. Also, there's a famous case in York, England, where people have encountered ancient Roman soldiers in the gatehouse of that old city. Um, so it could be. That's a big theory. There's a, a, a point of view that ghosts have a lifespan of about three to 400 years. Then after that, they just vanish. But it could be that some ghosts can skip through time. So they can appear and then jump 50 years into the future, which might extend their lifespan. 
We don't know that. There's a lot of this theory. We're just guessing. As I say, if, if it's linked to time warps, why wouldn't it be possible exactly. to go and uh, look back to the days mm-hmm. when Rome was great or you know, Victorian England or revolutionary United States? That puts a whole new way of looking at the world if you could just slip through time. Yeah, I would, as a historian, I would love yeah. to do that. I would love, I wouldn't want to stay back there in time, mm-hmm. but um, I would like to just uh, take a, about an hour or two and walk around, oh, uh, 1940 Los Angeles or 1820 Boston or even Toronto. That, you know, that reminds me of uh, Mr. Peabody and his time machine. Mm-hmm. Very much. Now, the theory is that we can't travel in time, but unfortunately, it looks like we can only go one direction, and that is forward. We can't go back. Hmm. But, if so, you, but if you go forward, how can you come back? Yeah, well, that's the whole thing. Right. Uh, it seemingly, according to new physics, it's not possible. But who knows? Maybe they'll be able to solve that riddle someday. Or, as they say, maybe we can go into other dimensions. Yeah. And the dimensions might be different from our own, or they might be similar, or they might be dramatically different. Like uh, in another universe, maybe, um, you know, Hitler won World War II and created some strange, bizarre Nazi universe. Or maybe the communist one, and uh, the United States became part of a Soviet empire. It's hard to ascertain what might be in these other dimensions. Richard, we've heard so many times about the ghosts going to the light or being sent to the light. Mm-hmm. How do if a ghost is has a lifespan of approximately three hundred years that we were talking about before? Why is it necessary to send them to the light? Um, according to the theory, now these okay. are all theories yep. we have that if you believe ghosts are spirits of the dead mm-hmm. who should go off to wherever they're supposed to go through the tunnel wherever, um, that makes sense. You know, most ghosts do not hang around. That's why there are so few ghosts. Otherwise, we'd be up to our eyeballs and ghosts. Exactly. But we're not. Uh, They are earthbound. For some reason, they're held on this plane due to unfinished business or whatever link they have. And then when conditions are right, they can ascend to wherever they're supposed to go or descend. Who knows? But um, that's a theory. We don't have any ironclad proof of any of this. It's just what people have talked about. And it might be true. I'm not saying it isn't. And I've found cases where there are groups who do soul rescue. And they believe this very firmly. And I've gone to the seances where they've talked to the the dead and urged Mm -hmm. them to take a go toward the light. And the houses are no longer haunted. So Mm -hmm. it seems to work, not in all cases, but in some so there might be something to it, but I don't really know if that's the answer. I don't think it's that simple. I think that the spirits of the dead theory just doesn't answer all the many questions we have about ghosts of haunted houses. 
Where does ghost hunting cross the line when it comes to religious beliefs? That's a good question. I have found in my ghost hunting career mm -hmm. that some of the most knowledgeable people in this field are Catholic priests. They are really knowledgeable about such things. Um, and most religions have a place to bless or get rid of ghosts. Many of them have that. But I think that um, I found this to be the case. You have a family living in a house, and they see a ghost. Mm -hmm. If you, the ghost is a, if the family is Jewish, and you have a Catholic priest come in, it does no good at all. Wow. If you have uh, a Hindu family, and uh, they see ghosts, and you have a, a, a rabbi come in, it doesn't help. It has to be something that the people experience the ghost believe in. So if you have a Catholic family seeing a ghost, that's when you bring in a Catholic priest. If you have a, a Native American family, that's where you bring in a shaman to do a ritual. But whatever it is, there seems to be a link between the ghost and the people who live there. Now, one theory is that the ghost draws energy mm -hmm. from the living. And if you break that link, the ghost has no energy and just, just dissipates. And if you get the people to believe that a ritual, a symbol, will get rid of the ghost, they'll stop giving it energy, and it'll just vanish. That's a theory anyway. Um, is there any common thread that you've come across as a paranormal investigator that all experiencers share? A common thread? Yes. Um, I've, there's a lot of things we have in common. We don't have uh, a lot of answers, but we do have a number of things we've come up with. For instance, stairways. For some reason, stairways are very haunted. Mm -hmm. And then another thing, bathrooms. Now, you wouldn't think you're a ghost. You'd need the bathroom. <laughs> but people <laughs> find ghosts in bathrooms. Now, what is it? Is it because of the water? Is it because of the fact that lots of people spend time in bathrooms? It could be because like people like El Link. I've also found hmm. that the second floor of a house or building is more haunted than the first floor. Hmm. Why are more ghosts on the second floor than the first floor? No, I, I, what I was trying to get at, Richard, is there a common thread between the people who have ghost sightings? Do they share anything oh. in common? Oddly enough, no. No way. In fact, I've found intelligent people see them, mm -hmm. unintelligent people see them, educated people see them, uneducated people see them, believers see them, skeptics see them. It, it really cuts across the, the, uh, the whole fabric of humanity. So it doesn't really matter. Now, people who are more inclined culturally to experience a ghost, like we have in the southern states, right. or in the Latino community in the United States, where their culture, ghosts are more accepted, um, they tend to be more open to the idea of ghosts. But they, they cut across the lines. That's what's so bizarre about them, which makes me think they're real, because of just Irish people saw them, like leprechauns, you could discount it or something. But it cuts across to all different sorts of people. 
Uh, so it's not something you can actually say, oh, well, you're, you're uneducated, right. so therefore yes. superstitious, and you see ghosts. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not like that. In fact, some of the most powerful believers were complete skeptics until they had something happen to them. Richard, as time goes by so fast when you're with us, uh, first of all, thank you so much for being with us. Let our listeners know how they can find out more about you. And are you going to be speaking anywhere in the near future? Uh, No, I don't have any lectures planned at the moment, but I will be doing classes. I'm doing tours here in the city of Ventura, where I I, uh, reside, my Mm -hmm. hometown. And I am doing a new book right now on the ghosts of Ventura. I'm trying a different approach. These are all personalized stories where I have gone to the place and had things that I can't explain happen. So I'm doing that book, and it's taking longer than I imagined it would, but I hope to have it done in a couple of months. Um, But no, I continue to do my work, and I continue to seek out answers to just the greatest riddle of our age. Well, Richard, when your new book is out, please let us know. We'll, uh, we'll get you back on to discuss it. It's always a pleasure talking to you. And uh, thanks very much for joining us tonight, my friend. Had a lot of fun tonight. Have a good one. Thank you, you very you, much. You too, Richard. And Exonation, if once again, if you'd like more information about my guest this hour, the one and only Richard Sennett, visit www.richardsennett.com. And for all of Richard's books, they're available on Amazon.com. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. We're going to be speaking to Beatrice Marrow, the other side of the news. She is the Hollywood psychic. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away because you're going to want to hear what Beatrice has to say about the who's who of Hollywood. Hollywood. 